Deep in the imagination, there's a crossroads, a space where curiosity and inspiration intersect and give birth to ideas. A space where music, science fiction, comic books, and pop culture inform the mind of what is and what could be. This is Jeff Boucher's Mind Space. In each episode, legendary journalist Jeff Boucher welcomes the biggest names in genre entertainment for an expansive dive into all things pop culture. Journey with Jeff as he explores the latest news and recommendations of the hottest releases across entertainment with his most trusted confidants. You are now entering deep space. Heavy Metal presents Jeff Boucher's Mind Space. Hi, welcome to Mindspace. This is Jeff Boucher, and I'm here with Maya St. Clair. How are you, Maya? Fine. How are you? I'm so excited to talk about our guest. I'm doing well. Thanks. Yes, we have a good guest this week. It's Eric O, uh, who is a very, very talented animation uh, specialist, an animator, an artist, a storyteller, and uh, uh, potentially a front runner for this year's Academy Award. Is that right? Yeah, uh, he's directed a bunch of prominent animated shorts. Uh, last year, he had the short film Opera, which is an extremely trippy, very heavy metal, really dark uh, and vast uh, animated short that was nominated for an Oscar. And this year, he talks to us about Namu, an animated short that's also up for an Oscar and has been, you know, uh, reported as a, as a front runner and, and lots of people's favorite to win. Sure. It's really groundbreaking in that you know there's a vr component i think it was rendered for both um just regular screen presentation and also uh, for oculus but yeah it's it's a a world that you can enter and it's just a very simple intimate look at a man's life as he lives through it and it's got you know love loss and just a really beautiful metaphor of a of a tree so yeah yeah, yeah really beautiful elemental uh, almost like a Robert Frost or 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 maybe a Shel Silverstein um, metaphor and yeah, you and really, Eric talk about your relationships with Shel Silverstein and the Giving Tree and how that influenced you and him. Yeah, I love Shel Silverstein and and uh, I, we don't even get into the music, so maybe we can talk about that sometime. Because you know, Shel Silverstein was the songwriter of, yeah. of, of obvious uh, success. Um, and he wrote one yeah i just know him from like songs. the ballad of lucy jordan sure and he did yeah. um boy named sue of course and um the winner it was a, a, a country hit for chris christopherson but uh eric O, uh as you say is a animator in demand and uh an animator who's getting a lot of attention these days in last year's oscar race and then we think uh most likely in this year's oscar race and uh, we hope you enjoy this interview with him, and yeah. uh, we will get to it before I lose my voice. Now, you so Eric, you know one of the things that we're all dealing with is this moment in time we live in, and uh, it's it's brought about changes for everybody. I'm just wondering, with your work specifically, uh, has it been a hardship, or have you found uh, has it led to any innovations or or uh, challenges? I think, yeah, totally right, Jeff. I mean, we are all on this together. And then it's been a mix of everything. So in the beginning, when this pandemic swept over the entire globe, we were all in the same boat. We were all having a hard time, same as me, you know, um, 
so there has been a lot of delays and, and some of the uh, like cancellation in the project and all those. Yeah, we were all there. But, you know, as we overcome, I think we found a new norm and a new a way of like making film together. Like now, you know, I feel like I'm finding the balance of being able to work together in the physical space together, but at the same time, still being able to carry on remotely. And that enables us to actually be able to work with anyone internationally, like no, no matter where you are, right? So like, I think we are finally, I am personally in a happy place where I feel like, oh, now I know what to do now. I oh, that's good. Take a full yeah. advantage of where we are now. I think uh, knowing able to, you know, this is also possible because previously we didn't know this was even possible, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The thing, the thing that I find interesting is the uh, the way it's affected collaboration, and 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 mm -hmm. the field you're in is, is so reliant on collaboration and communication. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I find that it's hard to have, uh, uh, you know, sort of casual collaboration anymore because now everything either has to be you know sort of articulated in advance and set up, uh, just because of the nature of the of the, yeah. the beast, you know. That's that's what we all miss for sure, you know. So I think there are things we earned and learned. But at the same time, there are things we still miss so much and can wait those things to be back. And fingers crossed, hopefully by the end of this year, finally, yeah. maybe some of those could come back to us so that we can, you know, stay more organic and flexible in terms of a lot of things. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And what are you most ex what are you most excited about right now? I mean, there's a long list of things that you have uh, uh, that you're working on and, and, and pursuing. But what, what is it that uh, you're gets you stirred up the most right now? Uh, basically, two things. One is, of course, um, I think, you know, this is part of the reasons why, why we are here for, but uh, mm -hmm. being able to share NAMU with many people out there, that's the most exciting thing these days, you know, because we've been, including myself, all our team members work so hard on this, on this 12 minute short, and then it's now being out there. So, yeah. um, like being able to share this experience and hear from you guys, that's really, really awesome, you know. So yeah, that's really the most exciting stuff these days. Well, the imagery of it, by the way, is so beautiful, uh, and uh, uh, just the uh, the expressiveness of it. You know, it's really, Thank really you. evocative. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really well done. Um, what kind of reactions are you getting? I imagine they're all over the place. Yeah, I mean, um, it is. Um, so Namo means tree in Korean, the title of it, and then um, it it really follows by this one character's whole life from his birth all the way to his death. Mm -hmm. So basically at the end of the day, it is about celebration of life because life is filled with beautiful, amazing stuff as well as sad, sometimes terrifying, you know, really heartbreaking moments too. And then just really deeply connected to what we were just talking about, what we are this modern times, which is very difficult for us. I think this film especially particularly resonated with a lot of people because we are in the middle of this kind of crazy experience together. So, and then, and then this Namu is a gesture. It's more of a gesture that telling us that it's okay. You know, let's just, you know, live our life to the fullest and, and then things will circulate. Things will, there are ups and downs. Let's just embrace it. And yeah. then, and then by the end of the day, we'll still be able to build our own, beautiful tree of, of our own that's the message and and yeah. you know i was so happy that people were seeing it people were hearing it hearing out and then the more importantly they were 
finding themselves, they were finding their own stories from this film. So yeah, that was the overall uh, re reaction I've been getting. It's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, one of the things in the States, um, I think that there's the tradition that animation is seen as, as being created for children. And that's not the case in a lot of other places. And, and really, it's not the case that uh, speaks to anyone that kind of looks at the history here even a little more to, you know, that there's, there's always been a wide range of purposes for animation. Um, do you, do, it's, it's interesting because you mentioned uh, sort of bittersweet or, or kind of yep. melancholy um, and animation can really uh, speak to those feelings because of the uh, sense of isolation of it and, and um, the way that we connect with the characters, we, the way that we view them. Um, but at the same time, I found that some people, uh, they're put off by messages that don't seem like they're inherently just for kids and inherently upbeat and happy. You know, they, they're confused by it. Have you, has there been any, anything like that where people are like, wow, this is, this is not the emotional uh, palette I was expecting? Um, I think because of the fact that this is a short film, yeah. um, it's, it's a, it has both pros and cons. The, the presenting a story is a short format um, enables the artist to be able to be much more honest to their own feeling. And then actually the, the audience who decides to experience this short sort of tend to be more open-minded, you know, to this medium, you know? So, yeah. so but the, the other, <laughs> you know, side of the coin is that, you know, it doesn't have its own clear market. So it doesn't reach out the most general audience out there just like as if other feature film or other serial format do, do. Yeah, yeah. so it is so true that when it comes to massive commercial feature film people do have tendency to hey it's, it's for family it's kids they have to make us feel good make us laugh you know yeah um, um, but i think i feel responsibility as a, as a creator to slowly open those type of audiences heart a little bit animation is a medium to tell the story. It's not, and then the story means it has doesn't have to be just one vibe. It can be multiple there. It's, it's because here we are talking about life and life isn't just always rainbowy, <laughs> colorful, you know? That's right. So that's yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, that's very well said, you know? And I think, uh, you know, if you look at Pixar over the years and what they've done mm -hmm. with the way that they tell stories and the fact that their stories are really aimed at a wider audience yeah, than just yeah, young yeah. people. Um, and that they're so emotional. They're so in touch with the emotions of the story yeah, yeah, yeah. to their credit. Um, I think that's, that's helped uh, people get a different view. Animation is a fascinating uh, medium uh, now. And, and as you say, it is a medium, it's not a genre. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, cause it's, it's got this life, uh, richer life. Yeah. Um, what are the kinds of things when you look around now in animation that you're keeping your eye on or the things that you see as uh, um, kind of either pushing the envelope or, or speaking to something new? I mean, um, like our, like, uh, not our, but this new generation, current generation of animators are, you know, including myself, we are all trying to find out what the next thing for all of us, you know, yeah. if you look at the history, as you know, more than anyone, there has been a bit of a moment of evolution, like every two decades or whatever, you know, like 2D animation, then CG animation, then there was a VR, but now what's next for all of us? That could really, I think one big change is 
um, having like streamers like Netflix or, or other, you know, uh, um, streamers coming into bigger play is, has been a huge impact on the industry and creatively, not only just for commercially, but as a creatively too. First of all, biggest impact is that the boundaries between feature film and series are being merged and blurred, you know? So yeah. we see like a narrative in limited series that, oh, it's almost like a one longer feature of a three chapter story, you know? So, and then we don't need to always what consume the story in certain like way, right? So that's one of the things that's impacting us in a good positive way in terms of uh, subject matter and also aesthetic and stylistically. So yeah, that's my overall two cents, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's very well said, you know, and, and uh, I think uh, I would guess that you're like a lot of um, uh, professionals in your field and fans uh, who follow it is that you wish it would go a little faster sometimes just because it's so exciting to see when yeah. people do, do push that envelope, you know, and, mm -hmm. and find that next thing. Um, and it's just also just the, the international conversation of it is fascinating because with the uh, either hand-drawn or, or uh, computer-driven, um, it's still so unique to the, the, the culture it comes from, you know, and, and the history, each one, you know, um, and just, just sort of seeing these uh, personal stories is, is, re is really kind of fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, how long did you work on it? How long did you work on the, This film, Namu, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, the production period, a year and a half, but uh, first half a year was all about just myself writing the story and making little, pre pretty much <laughs> designing the blueprint of the, the film. But I have to share this though, um, the core idea of, of this story, Namu actually takes back in time almost like a 10 years ago. Um, so around 10 years ago, uh, my grandfather passed away. And that was when I actually came up with this the core idea of Namu, which was all about this man. It's always all, just like a doodle, almost like a picture book quality doodle. I never would share with anyone else. I made this doodle of, of a man growing his own tree by hanging his own object and belongings into the tree. And there were like literally 10 different drawings of the tree getting bigger and bigger. I had that for a long, long time deep in my mental drawer at the time, because I was emotionally too overwhelmed. overwhelmed. Of course, I didn't get to take it out, but so I moved on. I moved on. And, and around two years ago, I had a bit of an inner calling that maybe it's about time. Maybe it's about time to take it out and, you know, turn it into a nice um, a short story that yeah. could hopefully touch upon a lot of people's hearts. So um, that being said, again, story, the core message of the idea has been sitting there for a long, long time. But <laughs> the actual production timeline was uh, about a year and a half. And wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. So when you got that, you know, sort of uh, that moment where you felt like you, you were ready to return to it or, or it was ready for you to return, whichever uh, way you view it, um, you, you, did that come with some anxiety just because of the, um, I mean, it's a, it's a topic you, you want to be so respectful and, and to do your best. And it must've been a, an emotional moment for you. Yeah, I mean, of course. Um... But now ask, you asking me kind of like reminds me of this moment where, um, you know, I don't have my own child yet, but my sister had a newborn baby around three years ago. And that actually was a spark. So, yeah. oh, my God, everything's like con connected together. 
that was the one of the things I sort of like was able to see, you know, yeah. things come and go, like the end connects to another birth or beginning and yeah. everything circulates. And just like the season, like the, the spring, summer, fall, winter, and connects back to all the way to the spring, which is all about new birth. So, and everything just start to coming together <laughs> inside of me. And then that's when I, again, you know, probably that was the spark and trigger for me to, maybe this is about time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's great. What, what's your uh, grandfather's name? And was it nephew or niece? Uh, my niece, my sister's, uh, sister's younger sister. sister. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what's, what's her, uh, the daughter's uh, first name? Just uh, Jehi. Oh, that's lovely. Good to see Jay. <laughs> yeah. And my grandfather's name is Ki Hyung. It may be a little too tricky for you to pronounce it, but Ki Hyung O. Oh. And um, um, Jehi, so yeah, those are. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, and, and uh, the tree uh, uh, is such a, a, a potent symbol and one that we've seen used in different ways in, in different um, applications, of, you know, for as long as we've had entertainment or stories, right? Um, but there, it's, uh, I remember as a kid, for me, like the giving tree uh, mm. and was such a powerful, evocative yeah. story and, and, and hauntingly, sad like it, it's yeah. i remember even as a kid like like i don't know if i'm this doesn't seem like the other stories i'm reading you know like it, it uh and i always uh i always admired it for that uh yeah. is that i just curious if that was a story that uh that was part of your childhood or yes that absolutely yes um it's not a direct influence but totally one of the inspiration i had like for in, internally and unconsciously deep in my heart and I had the same experience with you, Jeff. I mean, I remember reading it, watching it, like taking a look at it, like when I was a kid and, and I was so moved by it. Yeah. And, and, and then, and then, yeah, I mean, the tree is, I mean, for me, I was, I grew up in Korea and Korea has like a clear four seasons, unlike California. Jeff, are you in Los Angeles? Right. I am in, and also I'm, I was born in Miami and live there. So it's even, even more ridiculous. As far <laughs> so it's as not people. like we always see palm tree 24 seven, 365. I mean, just like East coast in the state side, Korea has a clear four seasons, like a uh, spring, summer, fall, winter. So trees, they transform like a uh, yeah. spring. We see like blooming flowers. And then in summer, it turns into green, like full of life and youth. And then it changes to, beautiful enchanting red, yellow, enchanting colorful red in autumn and loses all the leaves and becomes such a vulnerable, skinny, you know, of branches. And then it covers itself with the white, pure white snow. And then it connects back to the new birth of, of the spring. So that transformation was a key inspiration. And then this project is all about passage of time. And to tell the passage of time, I thought tree is definitely the most clearest and most, you know, yeah. You know, that's how we choose how I chose tree as as a yeah. main symbol. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. something about a living thing that doesn't move that makes uh, makes it very much a uh, uh, a yardstick for time. I mean, like yeah, we, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the changes you're talking about, uh, the people that we care about in our lives are always moving, so we can't necessarily perceive the changes right. uh, in them right. the way we yeah, do with yeah. trees. But it's uh, it's fascinating, and, and I'm I'm always interested in the way that technology and art intersect and, and the moments when there's these leap forwards and, and uh, you know, with using the um, Oculus and uh, the, um, it was Quill was the tool, right? Oh yes, Quill, yeah. Um, 
did that come to you? Uh, did the story lean toward the technology or did the technology lean toward the story? Like, uh, you know, tell, tell me a little bit about finding the middle ground. It's a bit of both, but to your question, it is always, it always starts from the story. So basically <clears throat> when I um, decided to make, you know, give birth to this project, you know, I really kind of knew that I want this to be very much immersive and and like uh it's more of experience because it's more of a spiritual journey to yourself mm -hmm. and then maybe there gotta be a way to convey this maybe not very linear way and then and at the same time magically you know mm -hmm. i was already excited about this vr component because as a creator i'm i'm always excited about new technology of or new medium or new way to actually storytelling and then i was also looking for like uh, write story, you know, ah, I want to do VR someday. <laughs> and then, so that being said, everything kind of like come together nicely, you know, in the right timing. So, oh, this is it. <laughs> this is a perfect tool. Um, yeah. So we ended up, as you may know, we ended up making Namu in two different editions, VR version and cinematic theatrical version. So, uh, um, and that definitely allowed me to actually get interested in this software called Quill which is a VR software. Um, and then, yeah, that was the, the I don't know, uh, origin of, of how things got together, genesis of how that things come together, yeah. And, you know, it, there's been such a great reaction uh, and embrace of it. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, with, uh, with, I mean, Tribeca Festival, South by Southwest, yeah. Sundance. I mean, uh, that must be, uh, that must mean a lot to you, not just because of the professional and, and the uh, uh, sort of, uh, industry aspects of it, but also because it is so um, much about legacy and, and uh, yeah. you know, looking forward and backward, that uh, it must be nice for your family. What, what's the family response been to uh, oh, wow. success? Um, so first of all, we completed VR version first. Mm -hmm. so, um, we were working on it together simultaneously, but we completed VR version first, and then we spent another three months to complete the theatrical version. Um, so I was able to share um, this static version, I mean, a, a VR version first with my family. Mm -hmm. And then, oh my God, my mom couldn't stop crying. So she was, it actually really broke all of our hearts, but, but in a good way. Uh -huh. We almost yeah, yeah. felt like, uh, uh, I, I never seen my mom crying that hard, like, you know, with on my, any film, actually, especially my own film, um, she couldn't spot, stop crying because I've been, pulling a lot of stories from my personal experience and memories. And she was able to remember, like recognize it. Oh, that's the plush doll you used to have when you're young. Oh, and yeah. that reminds all about, that's because basically it's, it's really her mom in, in, in law, like um, dad-in-law, my grandfather is basically. So she yeah. has his own memories about him as well. So, um, so even though it is very universal story enough, you know, universal enough for everybody to resonate, but when it comes to really direct, immediate, like family, there's extra gut punching. Later, <laughs> you know? So I think that really hit hard in my mom. And, and but it was very therapeutic. You know, she, yeah. we didn't switch many words, you know, but we were there together. We were feeling it. We were, you know, sharing this emotion and thoughts together in, in this room. So it was very magical experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and talk a little bit about music and, and I mean oh, yes, everything yeah. 
I, I read something once that all unseen magic is, uh, is accompanied by music, which I thought was a fascinating mm -hmm. way to say something. Um, but uh, a little bit about because of all the emotional stakes that you just discussed, uh, you know, dealing with that choice. Yeah. So um, from the beginning, I already knew that it won't have any dialogue. It's right. going to be very musical piece because we are trying to literally write a visual poem. That's what we are trying. That's what I thought to myself. We are making a poem like visual poetry. So mm -hmm. uh, we are using visuals and music and sound design. So because I knew that music will be such a critical component of the film, I started writing the music in the very earlier part of the production. As you know, like not, I'm not I don't want to generalize it, but usually music comes into play like as a post-production almost mm -hmm. <laughs> around until a certain moment, we just animate or work or, or to the temp music and or temp score. And then the musicians come into play in the last part of the game, but it was the other way around for this one. Uh -huh. I worked with really, really great friends of mine who also worked on uh, my previous works, including the Dam Keeper and uh, some other project. We've been, we, we have teamed up a couple of times previously and they are so great at, you know, um, bringing this poetry musically. And then without any hesitation, I reached out to them and I literally pitched the story to them with my doodles and, and drawings. And, and, and they were so thankfully, you know, um, excited about it. They started writing already. And then before even started animating or sporting, we already had a, this scratch music they actually recorded with their own piano. And wow. what it did to us was artists and animators were able to work on this film, listening to our own original score already. So yeah. we were already able to be in the same zone and vibe. And yeah. then, and of course, afterwards, they had to jump back in to tweak everything back to the visual. But the key top line, melody line, already got written in the beginning of the, of the process. Yeah. yeah, it was hardwired into the art uh, just because of the the uh, the sort of the, yeah. um, yeah, the presence you know oh that's yeah. that's really interesting uh or it's like a tuning fork you know uh you're constantly kept in in the in the right spot by it mm -hmm. um now you're not going to get a uh advertising deal with a band-aid company right <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should have reached out to get some support <laughs> yeah, johnson's and johnson uh, johnson and johnson <laughs> that's funny but uh 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 i, I just thought it was such a great visual uh, and it, it really does, uh, the Band-Aid, uh, which people will have a link, uh, obviously people see it, but uh, really speaks to this moment in time with the, the medical feel of everything in a way. Yeah. I don't know why it, it felt resonant to me on that level. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, uh, but, really, we, we, get, we get hurt. We get wounds. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes some of the wounds get healed. Sometimes they don't go away. You know, So yeah. it really symbolizes. But it's all part of you now, like, right. You know, so you have to, at, at, you'll only realize, Oh, you got to just embrace it. This is all part of us, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting that we all um, can be so emotionally available for cartoons and for art and animation. Um, you know, uh, in a way, I think, it. Um, you know, if you look at the Simpsons, which has been on TV for, I mean, just 25 plus years now, I think. Uh, and, you know, there's no sitcom that's ever lasted that long. And I think part of it is that we don't have fatigue with the people because we don't see them. You know, like if you watch Cheers or MASH over years, you, 
get a little tired of people. And, and that's not a, a, a knock on them. It's just nature of, uh, of uh, I think, uh, just human audiences. But uh, somehow the cartoons or the, the hand-drawn images allow us to kind of you know, free ourselves from thinking of an individual and to think of it in a more universal way. Like, yeah. like you're saying, like a universal story. I mean, I think the, you know, the reason that people love Mickey Mouse is because it's, it, uh, he is um, not specific to a person. It's, you know, it, it can be what you want, but he still has the emotional and uh, kind of uh, has life in his eyes, you know? Um, that, that's, an, that's a powerful thing for, for a storyteller like yourself, because it, it does let you get into the area of poetry and lyric, yeah. as opposed to, you know, uh, empirical ideas, maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What, what's, um, what are some of the, um, either growing up or, or now, what are some of the uh, animation styles or, or what are your North Stars, for instance? What are some mm -hmm. of the things that you uh, have guided your aesthetic or your... Uh... Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, um, I was born in the States, but I grew up in Korea, but I came back when I was young. So I've been kind of like both. Um, that allowed me to experience and, and uh, watch both contents from Asian countries and, and Western countries too. Like Asian wow. means mostly Japanese, like Ghibli, Mizaki's animations, as well as Disney animations here. So those two were really my childhood. And, and um, yeah, I think that really speaks a lot. Pretty of, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically. <laughs> I mean, I think I was lucky enough to spend my childhood, you know, uh, um, in the generation of Disney's second golden era of, of okay. musical classic Disney, you know, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaids, that was like Disney's second golden era, you know? And yeah. then I was, I was the target. I was targeted audience. I was the kid at the time. So I was the one who's my mom. <laughs> so basically I, you know, that became the huge influence of my life and, and as, a, as, a, as a human and also as an artist. Yeah. So um, of course, at this point, I am trying to come up with my own uh, North Star and trying to come up with my own style and, and subject matter and, and style of the storytelling. But, you know, deep in my heart, I think I've got to say um, Disney animations, the classic Disney animations, as well as Miyazaki's, Miyazaki Hayao's also classic 2D animations are really have been my fundamental soil and, and fertilizer. And, and <laughs> yeah, you name it, like everything, you know, yeah. everything great, you know, was, Those was two really trees. Great. Those are yeah, the two yeah. trees. Yeah. Trees, yeah. trees. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's interesting. And, you know, if you look at them, um, uh, and, and I, I love both as well, uh, they put together, they cover a lot of territory because, I mean, uh, you know, Disney has uh, all the imagination stuff, but uh, it, it doesn't have the surreal and disturbing and the haunting stuff, really, uh, that you get by having both together. You know, it's like yeah, it, it's yeah. a, a different, it's a different conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm always fascinated to think that da, uh, Salvador Dali yeah. and, and uh, Disney collaborated. You know, right, like the, the idea right, of the right. two of them together uh, is sort of just kind of a, a crazy thing to think about. Uh, yeah. I wish somebody would make a movie out of that. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I already appreciate that it came out as a short at least. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's really great. I kind of want to see that again in this modern times. Maybe one contemporary artist in the fine art scene 
really collaborating with Disney, that would be just wonderful already. <laughs> Why yeah. can we do this now in 2022? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah, question. Yeah. I guess, you know, the closest, I mean, in a way, I guess the Julie Taymor stuff, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like was them. I mean, if you look at Lion King on stage, like that, that's so different than anything. That's so done. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Would be yeah. like the closest thing to like a fine art. Modern kind of times. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, you know, with, do you, when you looked at Disney's output, they, they have had a return to some of the uh, non Pixar uh, success. Uh, I mean, they've, they've had Pixar success going for a good long time, but it's nice seeing some of the other, seeing the classic Disney uh, brand kind of show back up with the animation and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, fantastic. And then uh, uh, is there, among the reactions that you've gotten, I, I'm just curious if there was anything that really just took you off guard because it was just so unexpected or, or maybe uh, misunderstood or, or just silly, anything, uh, maybe not just because it's such an emotional piece. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I have to think, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it may it's not. a good thing. Everything yeah. was, you know, no surprise or, uh, um, yeah, so far, you know, I didn't get any, yeah, not that I remember. Yeah, that's probably best. <laughs> that's, that's probably best. You probably would, you probably yeah, would remember yeah. if it was really uh, kind of off-putting. Um, when you're talking about your youth, I, I, that's sort of interesting, uh, going back and forth, um, um, what, what were like the ages that you were in the States and, and in Korea, like at that yeah. time? So um, I was, so I was born in the States, but I went to Korea when I was only two years old. So I don't have any memory there. Okay. Yeah. And then I, and then I technically came back to the States when I was in middle school. So okay. seventh, eighth grade, and all the way to the beginning of ninth grade, I was here. And then I went back to Korea, and then I even ended up going to the college, and uh -huh. that's when I studied fine art in Korea. And then for the master's degree, I came back to the States for UCLA, and um, that's where I did the film major for the master's degree. And then ever since then, you know, I've been here, you know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that must say, uh, it's a fairly unique um cultural experience as far as taking it all in, you know, um, mm -hmm. not uh, unique, but it's uh, specific. It's, fa uh, it's fairly specific to, to uh, your experiences. Uh, what was it like when you, uh, after college, when you came back to the States? Uh, tell me a little bit about that moment in time. What, what was it like for you to kind of uh, uh, perceive the, the, your return and what it meant for you? Mm um so basically when i came back to the states as a grown-up like for the master's degree it, it felt different you know so yeah. like america as a kid america as a grown-up you know yeah. of course yeah it's the different world from kids perspective or grown-ups perspective you know sure. it's different anyway already um but the more than anything you know, of course, there were some hardships, there were some cultural differences, language barrier, you know, all those things I had to overcome. But more than anything, I had a great time because, you know, like, to me, comparing to, you know, 
Korean education system. You know, the education here, of course, it's not perfect here either. But to me at the time, you know, I felt like, oh, it's very free and liberal. And, and diversity, I think California is probably the best out of anywhere. I mean, that's why we have much more, you know, problems and issues more visible to us. But the other way to look at it is we are at least talking about it, right? If you are in Korea, you don't even have a chance to think about all those diversities or different perspectives or different outlook on life, you know, but when I came to the States, you know, that's when I learned and experienced for the first. So the first year was of course, hard and fun at the same time. Wow. It's a whole new world. And it's, it, 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 it ended up becoming a big inspiration to me. So, um, it made me make film, it made me talk about it. Yeah. And in, in the process of processing and learning, it made me become a better person in a way with a much more open-minded look. Oh. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. So Fantastic. yeah, those are some of the experience I, I recall, you know, from, yeah. from back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it'll probably change for you over time too. You'll probably see things in it later that you uh, uh, maybe can't even perceive yet. Uh, but that's, that's really fascinating. And also that's really lovely that it had such a, uh, uh, kind of a positive, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, personal uh, change for you too. That's great. And um, what's more, like just just the fun fact that um, now yeah. I'm based in Berkeley, Oakland neighborhood. Okay. Um, I was born literally in Berkeley because my dad was studying at PhD at Berkeley, <laughs> and then okay. and then I'm I'm telling my friends I'm like a salmon. I swam all the way back my home and. Uh -oh. When I settled down, my parents were most the happiest because oh, we had a our young thirties, you know, in the mid mid thirties in, in in California in Berkeley, and now you are exactly the same similar age, but you are there. That's such a kind of parallel yeah. there. So fun fact. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, no, that that's really fantastic, and for them it's so great because they they can it makes your experience now uh, they can kind of wrap their arms around it in a way that's uh, totally uh, you know has a lot yeah. of context. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. really nice. And it's 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 cool up there. It's a nice area. Yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah. went up there a couple times and and uh, really enjoyed it. So that's uh, a yeah. that's really terrific. Uh, and the salmon, I think that you know there there might be another. Uh, you might have another short there. You might have another film. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the salmon story. <laughs> exactly right. Um, that's terrific. And then uh, as far as the rhythms of animation, you know, uh, Pixar is different than. Then uh, you know Disney and and there's so many uh, different ways that uh, culturally the rhythms of it change. Uh, when you look at animation from the East and the West and 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 the way that it it moves across the screen, the way it moves a story across uh, mm -hmm. an audience, uh, you must be uh, conversant in both. You must have a a sense of each that. Uh, and their differences that uh, probably eludes me. Um, what is it that, uh, if it's not too uh, kind of a you know ethereal question, what is it that maybe you like about each the most? Uh, mm. The way that they tell a story. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, trying to wrap my wrap my hair around. So first of all, like the industry here, the animation here. Um, I love it how it touches upon the the universal topics. You know, those things are. I mean, people may feel like, oh yeah, Disney Pixar is always about family, dream, like oh, but those are important things because 
things keep on changing. Our humanity keeps on evolving and changing, but there are things that never change, right? right I right. think that's what we call universal values. And then, and then when we feel lost, and, and especially nowadays, things are so hard these days, you know, yeah. but we just got to look at deep in our heart and find out why still we ha- why we still have to carry on. You know, when we dive deep down, still it come across as disbelief and faith and, and for the people you love and this family, this hope, all those things are really, really critical values. And so I appreciate what Pixar and Disney do and, and uh, the, the stories in the States do. Um, but that's the other side is that, you know, it's a little way too much, you know, focus on those area, you know, yeah. so, um, and, but in, in many, when we shift this to Korea or Japanese, you know, um, I think it's slightly more open-minded, especially in the, if you look at Japan, you know, there are a lot of like animations geared towards much more older audience also. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's very cruel and just reveals hard reality and that's it done. <laughs> like we don't even yeah, yeah. give any hopeful message at all, but that's also meaningful too, because, you know, okay, that's also part of our life too. So, um, but the, the size of the market is also the big difference too. you know, the scale, yeah. the budget and uh, flexibility in expression. You know, I think we have much, much bigger opportunities and, and you know, uh, um, like the, the scene here in the States. And that's like probably the biggest out of entire world, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and then like on the other hand, and Japan and Korea don't, you know, even though they seem big, but comparing to one-on-one, it's tiny still. So yeah. there are some of uh, differences and difference and pros and cons and weakness and strength. All you just got to know, do is just understand each other's strength and just take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's yeah, exactly yeah. right. I mean, my hope, honestly, is to really, hopefully there to become a bridge between those two. You know, I know there are a lot of tries and a lot of attempts and a lot of like uh, explorations, you know, um, from people like artists my, like myself, you know, try to yeah. connect those two dots and come up with maybe that really circles back to one of the things we talked about, what's next for the animation. Maybe that could be it. Really yeah. the new era could be the everything's just blending in, right? You know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and I would love to see more like rated R sort of level animation in the States. And, and not so much, I mean, people hear that and they, you know, you could think like that means a lot of violence or a lot of sex, but I actually just mean uh, just more sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, different, different stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, Death, right? Death and then, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, precisely. And and, uh, uh, and to really use the the medium for its great strengths, you know, uh, like the, the Spider-Man um, animated film. Uh, yeah, Spider-Verse. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that won the Oscar. And mm-hmm. um, I covered that a lot. And, and uh, they did such a great job with finding a way to make, usually uh, movies try to make a comic book into a movie, but that one tried to take, make a movie into a comic book uh, mm-hmm. and and did a really good job with the way they used the screen and the technology and the music and the um, just the different tonalities of it. Um, but I'd like to see that for, and it's sto- uh, you know, sort of adult stories as well as, you know, beyond the sort of mm-hmm. uh, kid stuff and superhero stuff. Not that there's not plenty of room for that. So... But uh, it's uh, it's fascinating stuff, and I could talk to you about it all day. Uh, I um, I really wanted to tell you thank you for uh, joining us, and uh, and congratulations on this. I mean, it's such a great um, it's just a great piece of art. 
uh, and it's also uh, it's very humanistic and it's uh, it taps into a lot of things that uh, people are wanting to talk about, need to talk about, or are talking about right now. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, this type of opportunity is so precious. You know, we get to really talk about this because, you know, as you said, it's it's our life. It's not just about this film or art. It's about our life and who we are. So I think it really matters. Yeah. Yeah, outstanding. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. And I and please keep in touch. And uh, of course. I, we all hope this tree continues to grow a lot. Thank you. All right, thanks for tuning into Mindspace. You just heard from animator Eric O about his short film, Namu. Jeff, did you cry watching Namu? I cried. I did, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm easy when it comes to crying in movies for some reason. Like it's, it's I'm one of those people that, uh, if it just hits me right, it's, it's just, it happens. Maybe it's also what's going on in my life sometimes, you know, like with the pandemic and stuff, everybody's a little, raw i think but yeah it did make me cry yeah i cried i forget i usually keep like i if i think a movie is going to make me cry i usually try to take note of when you know how early i think i cried within a couple minutes i cried when the storm hit the tree um oh okay probably because there was a dog yeah. that was also scared and oh yeah fear seeing any any uh any innocent uh terrified yeah. is is like unwatchable for me sometimes yeah. yeah especially if it's an animal especially if it's a dog like if, true true innocence yeah yeah true, true innocence i think um, the the record for that it had a dog in it but is the art of racing in the rain i cried like within 10 seconds of that movie starting <laughs> you were my harshest movie experience like emotional movie experience is um i was getting ready to go this is a very short story i was getting ready to go to england uh to do some interviews and i had to see a movie like right on the way out of town so like on a tuesday morning stop by lionsgate and watch the movie and i didn't have time to read anything about it because i had such a hectic trip coming up so i walk into a screening room it's like 10 a.m on a tuesday um i'm um, i'm you know, my stuff's packed in the car and I'm going to go straight to the airport after a flight out to London for a week. And uh, I sit down and they show me Sarah's Key. Do you, hmm. do you know that film? I've never heard of Sarah's Key. Um, I was I was going to interview Kristen Scott Thomas uh, in, in England, along with some other people for different things. But she had made this movie, Sarah's Key, which was an adaptation of a Holocaust book. Um, or it's a, a, an adaptation hmm. of a book about the Jews in, in France and uh, and their fate during the war. And there's a little boy at one point that he locks his uh, siblings in a, a cabinet to protect them, but then he doesn't get back to them. So they, you don't need to see the film now because it's really sad. <laughs> it's like super, super sad. Uh, and I'll tell you on a Tuesday morning by yourself with only half a cup of coffee in you, and you don't know you're going to sit down and watch that. That was like, I was wrecked. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good feel good story. I just wanted to yeah. share that. Yeah, I, I, I've cried. Uh, I cried a lot watching some of Eric's other stuff. He does a series, he directed a series of animated shorts called the Dam Keeper Poems. Yeah, you were mentioning it. You and, found it really evocative, yeah. right? 
Yeah, um, it's very, uh, as is his style, it's very simple, lots of simple forms, simple characters, and it's about, um, they're all kind of anthropomorphic animals, and it's about this little, uh, little piglet who's, he walks around, he's got like a little scarf and stuff, and it's cute, and he's, his father, like the adult pig, um is tasked with protecting their little environment from this encroaching black cloud um and he it's called the dam keeper i think because that's what the the father does it's he repairs this windmill that keeps blowing away this black cloud it's really scary and the piglet doesn't really understand what his dad is doing or why his dad has to leave him to attend to this to this job and um and he's not really sure what the black cloud is. You know, it's never specified. It's never explained. Right. Um, all that, you know, all that you know is just that it's it's scary and inherent. Um, yeah, and it's like you can't tell which is scarier, the fact that there's this cloud or the fact that, you know, his dad has to leave him to, to protect him from it. So, I mean, there's all sorts of metaphors that you can draw with that, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he's one of the animators on that, right? He directed them. Yeah. He directed that one. Okay. Uh, or or as a, I think he did both. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, because he's you know a prolific master animator. He's worked for Pixar on other tearjerkers like Inside Out, um, Fighting Dory, uh, Brave. So yeah, yeah, I was interested in talking with you about just tearjerker animation, especially Pixar, because I know among people my age who grew up with the films like, you know, Up and Ratatouille and the Toy Story movies. Uh, and now we're seeing lots of, you know, Disney animated family films like Encanto and Coco. Uh, Pixar and, and Disney CGI, they have a reputation for making people cry. <laughs> Making yeah. adults totally break down and weep. Yeah. Well, and, and also going back to like, I guess, you know, you know, Bambi and um, I mean, there's a history of, of, uh, of you know, tear jerking Disney animated, mm-hmm. you know, they, they use music so well um, throughout their history, Disney as well, you know, I mean, um, but you're right, especially with Pixar, the, the, it's not just, uh, uh, happenstance it is part of their their dna who they are is these, these stories that they tell are almost always um emotional you know there's issues of abandonment or issues of i mean you think about like in toy story you know uh, jesse's song yeah. or lament about being abandoned or you think about um you know uh, finding nemo and and how you feel about the loss of the child you know when when marlon's looking for him and you know there's these these yearning and searching uh, loss um, images and, and themes that are really, really uh, they cut to the quick for a lot of people. And uh, I think that there's, there's, it's, it's interesting, you know, I don't, I don't know that I suppose people do go to it to feel that um, emotional the catharsis of that. Uh, and they certainly know Pixar makes those, but I, I don't, I guess with Toy Story, I would I would think that they go for the, the happy stuff and the, the sad stuff's there, but then the other ones, you know, like uh, 
maybe not Wally so much, but but certainly uh, uh, up and certainly inside out and, and certainly um, you know some of the other ones. Uh, I think yeah, up is up Pixar's. is pretty up there in terms of the race to make people cry. I think lots of people you break yeah. very early enough. <laughs> yeah, that montage is like unbelievable. It's one of the most effective pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. I always thought that yeah. the montage and up and then the montage and Watchmen at the beginning of Watchmen. Uh, oh, the, yeah. The, uh, the times they are changing with the, the Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um, sort of, Watch, uh, that's stunning. Yeah. Yeah, those are like, I, I just wish that I could just watch whole movies like that. You know, like the, the montage from the Toy Story movies, you know, with uh, Sarah McLaughlin song uh, and... Uh, um, another one with the Randy Newman song they're just uh, they get you every time and in a way animation um, because it, it isn't a face of a person making a performance it's it's uh, there's a certain not not that they're a cipher not that they're blank but that the animated characters it's easier I think to to um, to embrace their emotion, emotional moments without encumberment because we don't, we don't prejudge them as much as we do actors and such. Like if you see uh, a Tom Cruise movie and there's an emotional scene, you might not feel it if you, don't, if you can't take yourself out of the fact that that's Tom Cruise or that that's a person that he represents some, some, something to you. You know, sometimes it's easier with animation to have a clean slate and, and maybe go, um, you know, uh, in different uh, directions with, you know, ex accepting it. Um, and also the art's getting more and more expressive. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, they can, you know, obviously they have characters who with just a, a nuance of their face, um, uh, a, a shift to their so shoulders or, um, you know, a squint of their eye, they, they communicate um, emotional uh, messages that we all read on a very, very basic level without even knowing it. So uh, that speaks to the craft of it all. But uh, it is funny that, uh, that, that animation would become the, uh, the chosen melodrama of the, of the modern moviegoer, because there isn't too many other straight, you know, sort of melodrama in the, in the classic sense of the term. Yeah, I yeah, maybe it's just, you know, you've pointed out that in the West, there's kind of a stereotype about animation that it is a childlike uh, or juvenile or yeah. what's the word for something very kind of, you know, Sophomore it's for elementary. Yeah, or just something uh, that appeals to um, kind of the, the almost but like, you know, people who who are still developing, you know, you know, kids with, you know, simplistic kind of emotional compasses yeah. and. Yeah, um, I, think, uh, I think that would be a challenge. You know. Yeah. So do you, yeah, Juven I don't know. Juvenalia is what they call comics. Yeah. Yeah, or the works of a writer when they're just, you know, before they officially kind of start their career, but. Uh, yeah, or that it just kind of is is meant to appeal to. Yeah, I wonder if that plays into what people 
you know, allow themselves to feel if if the kind of childlike world is is one that, you know, allows people to kind of live out their repressed feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, certainly any, you know, certainly um, well-told stories that speak to youth or coming of age or 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 just situations of youth can take people to an emotional place. You know, uh, we see a child in danger, it feels like we're in danger um, or mm. um, different things, but- um, Or animals. You know, Pixar is just, it's amazing their, their run of success. You know, now with Marvel Studios, I mean, they, Marvel Studios has 26 consecutive number one movies, which is just, you know, it's, it's like Tom Brady sort of uh, numbers in, in box office terms. Uh, but Pixar's success, I guess, is, is slightly overshadowed by that. But if you look at uh, the movies that they uh, strung together over a significant period of time, um, especially before they were doing sequels, uh, mm -hmm. although some of the sequels have been outstanding, the Toy Story sequels are, are, are sublime. But um, the, I, I saw that... Uh, their run of success uh, in terms of critical acclaim and commercial success. Um, an essay by Kenny Turan, uh, the great film critic, um, who said that, uh, I believe it was Kenny, uh, wrote that it, it was the best uninterrupted streak of excellence in Hollywood since Preston Sturges uh, at his peak, uh, the Sullivan's travels and, and et cetera. Um, but, uh, I think Pixar is amazing because they, uh, I love their, the way that they become so uh, stubbornly protective of an individual story and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and finding that story and, and, and getting it to the screen. And um, it's, uh, it's, I think one of the reasons that Pixar movies feel smarter than a lot of non-animated movies that come out um, around the same time as them is because um, the Pixar scripts have to be so done and so locked and so finished before they will even move forward with the animation um, or before they'll you know get to the advanced stages um, and that's not the case with live action Hollywood films like you know the classic example I think is Men in Black 3, which started filming before they had a third act written. They didn't even know, literally did not know how the movie ended when they started filming, which is like, you know, putting people on a train after it's already running. Um, um, but Pixar doesn't do that. And uh, um, I think that that's one of the reasons that they're so good is because they kind of do it the old fashioned way, which is that you don't start filming a movie until you have a script. Mm hmm. Yeah, it would be interesting because I know like lots of different, you know, movie studios have their like trademark way of constructing a story. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing what Pixar does. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, yeah, wonder I if they've just got a checkbox. It's like cute character in peril. <laughs> Reconciliation <laughs> with your family. <laughs> I really like how they didn't do it. I mean, they... they they did have a rule that no adaptations, you know, um, uh, they also had a rule, no sequels, uh, which they held on to as long as they could. But I mean, once Disney owned them, there was only a matter of time. 
Um, and again, this, some of the sequels have been outstanding. Uh, yeah, the Noah adaptation is interesting because that way you don't feel pressured to like make a character design that's based in another medium, you know? That's that right. you can, they don't tell that the characters you create are live in animation itself and in film as their kind of native point of inception versus like, you know, I don't know, a character from a book. It's like you gotta you gotta translate and then Pixar is making sure that, you know, their characters are in everything. It's it's suited to the medium first. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Um and it the tradition in animation is to do a lot of adaptations. I mean, if you consider that Disney is the strongest influence in animation in this country and, you know, Snow White, Peter Pan, Sleeping Beauty, all those were pre-existing IP. Mm -hmm. They were public domain, but um, in most cases, uh, but they, uh, they definitely were established. So it became Disney's specialty is finding the midpoint between Disney and the original work the midpoint between those two would be where this the animated adaptation would live um mm -hmm. pixar doesn't do it that way they, they they want only to tell stories that haven't been told before with characters that have been met before uh, by people in the building who become passionate about the story and then guide it through the system um mm -hmm. it's sort of their campus process there's a there's a new yorker article um it's probably been 10 15 years now um maybe a little bit longer uh, about that process is really sort of interesting. Um, I'll send it to you if I can find it. But uh, if, you, if you see it, you might uh, you might enjoy it as well. I think it makes sure your makes sure your characters always have like kind of movement that's integral to them, um, almost like uh, you know actors try to do on stage uh, or some actors. I know lots of actors before they even sit down and like analyze their lines. They'll try to find how their character will move find the gait and the rhythm, uh, which is important in animation. Like I'm thinking of uh, Eric worked on Brave. I'm thinking of you can't have Merida without her buoyant hair moving sure. and accentuating how she how she feels. Um, and you can't have, you know, the Finding Nemo characters, they're fish, they dart around and, and how they're moving reflects uh, their emotional states. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, and all the Toy Story toys all have their own sort of um, bobble and yeah, wiggle and sprawling you know. and uh, um, or like if they're stumped, if they're stuffed, they'll like, you know, they've got a weighted kind of beanbag weight to them. Yeah, yeah they all definitely have their own uh, their own ambulatory style. Um, yeah, it's I, I love animation. I love what it's become. And it's it really is. It's it's not a genre. It's a medium. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, as you know, I, I I love to see them them being the entire community of create creators that are creating, um, find ways to do uh, different types of animated stuff that you know we're still not seeing. I would like to see some animated adaptations of some comics and stuff, not by Pixar, but. Um, there's some Marvel stuff I think would be great to see is animated, um, you know, and uh, I think people are ready for rated R animation for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe, you know, I always think of Pink Floyd, The Wall, and what that movie meant to a lot of people. And, and uh, um, I don't know why 
we don't see things like that getting made once in a while. You know, I think I'd really love to yeah. see some sort of cinematic collaboration between a, a band and, and filmmaking to create some sort of new, um, you know, some new uh, iteration of, of that that conversation yeah, between I mean, music and animation. Yeah, I think that lots of like Lil Nas X videos now classify as animation just because they're so CGI, but I don't think he's ever done an extended project, right. um, which would be great to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the gorillas, you you know, of, obviously, uh, yeah. have their own animation projects and their own animation selves and tours and, and whatnot, mm -hmm. whatnot. But I was thinking like something like a, uh, you know, like what would a Radiohead animated film be like? Yeah. You know? um, uh, I would love to see something like that. Yeah, an animated, speaking of Erico, opera. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have any favorite characters who like the Pixar ones had their genesis in animation and who are rooted in that? I think of uh, Heavy Metal's Tarna, who was created for the film versus uh, lots of the other kind of shorts in that movie, which were originated as comics. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, so uh, animated characters, well, uh, you know, I think Harley Quinn, uh, she started in animation and, and moved to comics, which is very mm -hmm. rare. She started in television animation. Um, um, there had been a character called Harlequin in the 70s who was Joker's daughter, but looked mm -hmm. different, not a love interest. So that's not the same. But, um, you know, that would be one. But um, no, I can definitely see that because I can't picture her without hearing her, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, her voice cool. is just so central. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, the character in Singing in the Rain, the woman that uh, has that same voice. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the actress's name now, but she's she's tremendous. And also just- well, It fits with Gotham's whole like film noir. She sounds like a- Yeah, I'm gang, gang I don't want to use an, I don't want to use like an offensive word, but like she sounds like a gangster mall or yeah. Yeah. M-O-L-L or, you know, some sort of- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, I, I can't think of a better word for it, but no, that, yeah. that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, or like the cigarette girl at like an old club in, in, um, mm -hmm. in Chicago or something. But um, and her look, you know, and I always thought that she was kind of like a, uh, the, the uh, felonious Tinkerbell of the DC universe, because she kind of has a Tinkerbell mm -hmm. kind of uh, Pixies, pixie-like features, but also sexualized, and, and uh, it's just uh, Tinkerbell and Harley Quinn were always really, really strong sellers in merchandise for Disney and DC, respectively, because of the, um, what she represents. And the, each character is sort of uh, they have moxie, I think, and they mm -hmm. have uh, just. Uh, uh, different types of appeal yeah she kind of yeah and how she moves uh is another animation element that is kind of central to her character the flips and the bops in the <laughs> i mean she is cartoonish literally yeah. and figuratively so it's interesting watching margot robbie bring it bring harley quinn to life performance and, and try to hold on to some of that and let some of it go and stuff i think she's done a good job Mm -hmm. um you know in 
over the course of three films now. But I can't think of any other animated, try to think of other animated characters that started in animation that, uh, that really, really speak to me. I'm sure I'll think of one, but. Uh... Do you think Spider-Man has crossed over? I know you talk about him a lot as being a comic book character who is uncannily suited towards film. And I was yeah. thinking of, you know, in terms of the popularity of films animated and live action in quotes, even though the, you know, the special effects in the live ones are also animated, 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 that he's sure. had such a titanic growth in popularity in the 2000s with the animated movies. Could could you consider him cross having crossed the veil? <laughs> Yeah, he's all things to all people. I mean, um, I can't wait to see what they do as a follow-up to Spider-Verse. Um, mm -hmm. Just, uh, I just so admire that film and, and its approach and, and the use of hip-hop in that film, you know, which we hadn't really seen in, in uh, any sort of superhero animated, certainly not animated. Um, I mean, Black Panther certainly had uh, hip-hop voices and a, a very, very successful uh, soundtrack partnership but Spider-Verse, it affected the storytelling. It's affected the, the look of the screen and the way that animated film expressed itself. And that just got me so excited about so many things. I would, I, I, I would think if, if I had properties like Conan the Barbarian, who doesn't really fit into the rest of the Marvel stuff, you're not going to see Conan the Barbarian in Avengers. So, or maybe, but probably not. Didn't they just um, do a, a line of comics where Conan goes forward in time and is in the modern world <laughs> maybe he was with the x-men he was with some somebody you're not talking about conan o'brien right no i'm talking about <laughs> the sumerian oh good good call by crom um, i've got i've got lots of conan magazines i'd show you but i <laughs> savage sword or yeah yeah that's nice i have, I have a bunch of those too um i think conan's great i i uh, but I just think it. I, I think it, that would be kind of a cool movie, animated movie, or I think a Silver Surfer movie could have been animated. Um, you know, you look at the the different parts of the, the Marvel universe that could kind of be broken off into their own thing. You know, the Micronauts, which was a toy that became a comic book that was really cool and now is kind of forgotten. Um, but there's this really fascinating, I think, uh, mythology that goes with it. Um, uh, yeah, I just think I think Marvel uh, could do some really interesting things. Some of the uh, the standalone stories through the years as well. I mean, when the, when a new graphic novel comes out, no one expects it. If there's a new Batman graphic novel or a new Spider-Man graphic novel, no one goes and ex picks it up and expects all the previous history to be invested in it. They they know that the artist and the writer now, if they're doing a standalone story, they're gonna they can start it whenever they quite want to, and they can do slightly different costume on the character and maybe only use some of the supporting characters. You know, they, there's a there's a flexibility in the interpretation. And I think that the sooner that movies just embrace that, that if, and, and they are, I mean, the Batman is, is different than, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman being in The Flash, you know, so you're gonna have, um, and Michael Keaton's Batman being in the Flash, you're gonna have three different Batmans in costume on the on the movie screen in the span of a year. Um, 
and no one seems to think that that's a problem. So that that's really cool. But I think with animated movies, they could embrace that even more. Like every time that there's a new Superman movie, it can just be a totally different Superman. It doesn't have to be the same one for like five, six movies. Why not just just do one-offs? You know, like if if George Clooney wants to come back and play Batman for one, then just do it or don't. But you know, it doesn't have to be a decade-long commitment. The Silver Surfer would be a good candidate for um, that musical kind of animated opera thing you said i think that if you paired a, a band with him that would be very cool it's funny yeah. you should say that because i i was i i jotted down some notes the other day because i'm going to do that broadway musical idea that we talked about and i was writing down song titles and you, do you do you know the silver surfer's birth name you know on his native planet no i don't yeah it's uh the first name's norin which is n-o-r-r-i-n and the last okay. name is Rad, R-A-D-D. -D. Nice. Yeah, he's a surfer named Rad. Okay, uh, but I was thinking how great it would be to have a song called A Boy Named Rad because he just, he's, he's mm -hmm. totally rad. He's totally mm -hmm. rad. He's totally rad. Maybe that's the song. Um, but you could have like- a, That's um, totally the montage at the start of the musical where he doesn't fit in with the town's people. You know, right. it's, it's his- um, uh what's the song that starts beauty and the beast but oh yeah uh, uh yeah i don't remember i know what you're talking yeah. about yeah uh, but yeah it's, exactly it's the i'm isolated outsider of integrity mm -hmm. song uh but a boy named norin uh, a man named rad i think I actually at one point was going to name my first child Norin because I was such a big Silver Surfer fan when I was oh. a sophomore in college. Well, it's a pretty name. It is. Well, it rhymes with boring. Boring. So that's why I did it. Because I, I figured if, if mm -hmm. your name rhymes with boring, people are going to call you that. Yeah. So I was trying to project. I was trying to see all the things that rhyme with it. Mm -hmm. So, because, you know, when I was a kid, I told you they, they stuck a T in my first name and it spells get off. And then that was three years of misery. Someone in fifth grade realized that if you stuck the letter T, say, hey, you know, you put a T in your name, so let's get off. I'm like, what? And just gales of laughter, hoots of derision, uh, bellows it, of That is, it is mockery. funny. <laughs> it is clever. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's- I'm uh, sorry. No, 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 it's, it's, it's better than, you know, uh, a stiff kick in, in the shin so hmm. it's just a word it is clever yeah. all right so now we just need to get a band as into the silver surfer as like blue oyster cult were into Ooh. elric <laughs> nice blue oyster cult might be the answer because that sounds like silver surfery music or joe satriani did an album called surfing with the alien he might be a nominee oh okay yeah and there's a band called kirby crackle uh, and they're model themselves after the artwork of Jack Kirby. And oh, nice. Kirby crackles the energy stuff that he draws. Uh, oh, cool. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, I was going to give them at my film festival one year to come play. Uh, It'd be a good guest. Yeah, I think so. I was going to get Diane, um, Linda Carter as well because she sings oh, now. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I, just I didn't know that. Cool. Oh, she's really quite good. You should check it out. Uh, she does standards. You can hear her do like Fly Me to the Moon or, um, you know, 
come fly with me, things like that. Super. Well, I think uh, that wraps up for I said super. another week. <laughs> We're going to go yep. check out Linda Carter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just as we finish up, just another plug for Eric. Oh, he's such a great guy, and we're super excited about where Namu goes. Uh, so tune into the Oscars. You'll, you know, I, I'm just going to be so excited to hear his name. Like, that's so, so cool. And uh, yeah, his art is just so striking and uh, affecting. So absolutely we you know what we gotta make sure we send him uh, a reminder of how to pronounce our names for that speech <laughs> uh you know i really love i love that we've had i think it's three consecutive animation episodes and yeah. uh, all very very different conversations mm -hmm. uh yeah. they're gonna thank us in the speech for the silver surfer animated masterpiece that is this generation's the wall that's right that's yeah. right Surf's up. Oh, damn. RIP Meatwolf. All right. <laughs> See you. Thanks so Let's much for listening. Bye. Thanks again. Bye.